Welcome to the Gen Z Stoic Podcast, where every week we strive to lead younger generations on a path to virtue through the insight of Stoic teachings and personal stories from our lives as Gen Z Stoics. In today's episode, we are going to be going over essentially a guide to life and how to retake control of your life when you feel that you have been thrown you know, life has thrown you a curveball, you feel like you've lost sense of your routine, you've lost sense of being organized, going through your life with purpose. You know, for me, I'm certainly in this area of my life right now, I feel like I've sort of become discombobulated. And so I am now trying to figure out how I'm going to get back on track. And this is applicable for everybody at any area of their life at any age. And so ultimately, this episode is going to provide a plan and a step by step guide for how so how you can figure out how to get back on track and sort of take retake control and feel like that you're in control of every action you take in your life right we did um last week's or last episode was upon degeneracy and how you as a stoic combat degeneracy and the natural kind of um route to take with our next episode is what if you're in the opposite situation what if you're somebody who when we were describing degeneracy, we, we were describing that somebody who's lost, somebody who's lost their purpose, doesn't really have like a good path in life currently. What if you're in that boat? What if you've realized maybe that, you know, the routine that I set out to maintain, I'm not doing a good job maintaining it, or I'm lacking motivation, or I'm simply not executing? What do you do if you're in that situation? And the answer is you reset. And that's what we're going to be describing today is really how to effectively reset when it comes to kind of habit building and routine and how that kind of parlays into your mindset, because those two are definitely intertwined. If you have a good mindset, a good, strong, healthy, solid mindset, you're more likely to maintain that routine. You're more likely to kind of find that right path, not get lost, not get um, kind of knocked off course. But then again, we are all human. We all get knocked off course. So it's just as important to know how to builds those routines as it is to know how to reset because both are going to happen eventually and you're going to need to have the skills and kind of the tips if if you want to phrase it like that to get you through both situations if you want to be a successful stoic and just a successful person right and it's also important to note that there is no you know threshold for how many times you can reset or how many times you should reset it is okay at any point in your life to take a step back so to reset everything that you're doing as many times as you need so you can keep moving forward diligently and you know purposefully so i think first and foremost the first step in that i the the big step and we can break it down but you need to rebuild a schedule that prioritizes you and that aligns with your vision your goals so in saying that we are already sort of Um, implying that you have a set vision, that you have a set goal. And we've gone over this in our previous episodes in many different, you know, ways and formats of how to actually develop a sense of purpose. But when it comes to retaking control of your life, this is sort of in the context that you were previously doing something that aligned with your goals and you sort of felt like you were veering off in the wrong direction. And now you're simply trying to get back on track. So it's important to know also that it will get sort of lonely when you start to do these things because when you put yourself first you eliminate all the distractions around you and you solely focus on what's important to you now we do have to also say that there is an importance to having balance and everything you do you don't want to be solely focused on one thing it's unhealthy to be completely devoted to yourself and not have any time to you know sit back unwind and relax 
but it, we also you know want to emphasize that if you've been sitting back and relaxing for too often then it's time to sort of put that away and put more focus on yourself so a schedule that prioritizes you in my opinion implements three major things and I would call them three wins per day. And that is a physical win, a mental win, and a spiritual win um, that, you know, for the mind, body, and soul, right? So a physical win, whether that looks like getting in the gym or, you know, going for a run or any sort of exercise, you know, going to sports practice, getting your heart rate up is scientifically proven to simply boost your mood, your mental health, and physical over like well-being. There is no reason that you shouldn't be getting your heart rate up and getting a good sweat going every day. A mental win the, reason, the way that this is different from a spiritual win is mental is building building your mind. So that could be, you know, reading, you're, you're building or practicing speaking or anything that is allowing you to get smarter and just building your mental capacity to, you know, leveling it up every single day. And a spiritual win, that can be, you know, meditating, journaling, reflection. This is, in my opinion, the one that sort of gets left out the most is because when we sort of stop you know, reflecting or being spiritual and getting to know ourselves is when we sort of kind of get thrown off balance. For me personally, anyway, that's what I've noticed is when I lack my spiritual side of myself, that's when sort of everything gets thrown out of balance. And I, I like where you started. I do feel like what's kind of lacking in that piece of advice is that for you to build that schedule to achieve those wins and outline what those wins could look like is most often when you're resetting, you have to take a day or two where that's just your strict purpose is to reset. And it looks like within our generation, like the term like mental health day, which I think is complete BS, if I'm being honest, because when we look at mental health days, the use for it in our generation is that like, oh, I'm feeling a little bit sad today, so I need to stay home and not do anything. The difference between a mental health day for our generation and what a proper mental health day could look like is what you do with it. And so what I'm suggesting is that when you are resetting, yes, take a mental health day. There's nothing wrong with doing that. That actually takes courage, but be productive with it. Because in reality, if you actually need to take a mental health day, the only way that you're going to fix that problem so that you don't need to take a mental health day the next day and then the next day is fix your mindset, fix your routine. Because if you just do nothing with a mental health day and just say, oh, I'm just going to sit here, the situation that caused those negative thoughts, the situation that caused you to be maybe sad or angry or frustrated, whatever emotion or feeling you had that caused you to say, I need a break from things. It's just going to come back. It's not like you sitting there on your couch or sleeping in for a day is just going to magically reset the situation so that the same set of circumstances never happens to you again. When in reality, what you need to do with the mental health day is prepare yourself to face that situation so that you don't have to take the same mental health day. Because while there's nothing wrong with taking a break for a few days and resetting, there is something wrong if you do that every two weeks, because ultimately you're not going to be very productive if every two weeks you have to take two days off because nobody in, in our generation, that seems normal and that seems okay. But if you think about like, even like 10 years ago, no employer is going to tolerate an employee who has to take a break every two weeks. No situation in life is going to tolerate, oh, I just need a two day break. There, life is very unforgiving. And I think our generation has forgotten that. And so in order to effectively reset, you need to take those days, but take them sparingly. And the way you can do that is making them effective and do the things that Mateo outlined. But you can't really do that within a hectic schedule. We both know that we're both in college and we're both kind of going through a little bit of reset ourselves. 
it's very hectic and it's very hard to reset effectively within the confines of that schedule. So using collagen as an example, maybe then I can take a day off and figure out how I'm going to reset. And that looks like journaling, writing every thought I have down, every feeling, every action I could take. It outlines planning and it, it, it takes prioritization as well. And you can do all those things very effectively within the day, especially when you have nothing else to do but to just sit there and kind of stew within your own thoughts. It can be a scary place sometimes, but I think more often than not, you do that and you're going to come out with some sort of solid game plan. That means that you don't have to take a break again. It means that you can kind of go full bore, tackle the problem ahead of ahead of time and ultimately get back to the routine you wanted, get back to the habits you wanted, be a person who kind of got out of that negative space. Because like, there's nothing wrong with getting in a negative space. There's nothing wrong with taking a step back. We all have to do it. And it's very courageous to have kind of the wisdom to say that I need to take a step back. But like most other things we talk about, it's kind of up to you what you do with that. Because everybody can say, oh, I need to take a step back. Not everybody does, but everybody can. It seems like not everybody, though, can be able to say that and then act upon it, do something about it. They just want to say that. And that, that comes with playing the victim card. That comes with our generation being soft. But ultimately, then you have to answer the question, are you going to play the victim card? Are you going to kind of be like an average member of our generation and be soft? Or are you going to be somebody who says, you know what, like, I'm going to take a reset, but this is stupid. I don't need this. So I'm going to use this reset to plan how I never am going to have to do this again. And that's the mark of a wise person, because an average person is kind of going to bang their head against the wall with the problem and then say, oh, my head hurts. So I need to take a rest for a minute. So they're going to take a rest, their head doesn't hurt anymore, and they're going to keep banging their head against the wall with the problem. Versus a wise person is going to take a step back and say, this is stupid, why am I hitting my head against the wall? And then figure out a game plan so that you just walk around the wall and continue walking in your path of life. And so I feel like that's kind of, if we combine the two, that's a good place to start. Take take a day off, journal, find those three wins, find a schedule that works for you, but it's going to come within that day off. And that means that you need to make it productive. Exactly. And like you did, that was perfectly said there, a reset day doesn't mean you're doing nothing and resetting. A reset day means you're taking initiative, but on the on you're taking a personal initiative. So if you take a reset day, let's be honest, and you spend the entire day scrolling on TikTok, laying in bed, you didn't eat, you didn't go get outside, you didn't get sun. That's not a reset day. As a matter of fact, that's just an excuse to be lazy and you're only actually setting yourself back further. A reset day is something where you don't focus necessarily on school or work or the things that are being asked of you by other people. You're focusing on what yourself is asking you to do. The things that are truly important to you that you know will, will, will help grow you, right? You don't want to focus on these external tasks. That's what a reset day is. You're only focusing internally. You're taking a deep dive within yourself, asking yourself what truly matters. And then you're doing those things. But you're also... You're building a plan. You're creating a plan so that you can put yourself first every day moving forward. That doesn't mean you're not going to fail and you're not going to have to stop, maybe critique a few things, but you won't have to take a, you know, a reset day, like you said, every two weeks. It's not how the world works. At some and when I meant what I meant when I said you can take a reset day anytime, it means you know, no matter where you are in life, there's no right time or wrong time to take a reset day. It's not like you have to achieve a certain thing before you can stop and reset. If you're not where you want to be 
and you don't feel like you are moving where you want to be, then you need to take a reset day. I would say that is the perfect time. But you have to realize that you can't just say, be in the mindset, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. And then I'll do it tomorrow turns into the next day and so on and so on. And you keep putting it off. Reset days come with people who want to take initiative in their life and realize that they aren't doing so. So the first step in actually moving forward is stopping and not moving at all, analyzing where you are, making a plan, and then moving forward from there on out. My favorite quote, this is one of my favorite quotes, and this is a Marcus Aurelius quote. One of the first quotes that I ever read, it says, concentrate every minute like a Roman, like a man on doing what's in front of you with precise and genuine seriousness, tenderly, willingly with justice, and on freeing yourself from all other distractions. If you went through life every single day, focusing on everything that you did with, you know, the most immense concentration that you could, you would be so much more productive. It's not about doing more. It's about doing everything that you do with the most concentration. It'd be, it's better to do two or three things a day and be fully concentrated on them than to do 10 things, but sort of, you know, with minimal effort just to get them done. And so when you're taking a reset day, you're sort of, you're realizing how can I fully concentrate on myself each day while I'm still getting my the things that are externally being asked of me done as well. That's sort of the entire goal behind a reset is that you're still taking care of yourself and building yourself while, you know, taking care of school or work or the, the other things in life beside yourself. Oftentimes we're more focused. We put ourselves aside and we do what other people are asking of us first and that's why we feel the need to take a reset day in the first place is because we haven't built ourselves up to the same level as we're, you know, dealing with the other things. So it's going to be very tough to put yourself first all the time now. And a lot of people, you hear the excuse all the time, oh, well, I don't have time to lift. I don't have time, you know, to meditate. Everybody has the same 24 hours in the day. Sure, like circumstances can look different, but at the end of the day, we're all given the same amount of time. It's not like, you know, rich people were given 12 extra hours in a day. They just used it better, right? They, they, they put it, they prioritize. There's not, you know, we kind of hear on social media, there's sort of an extreme view on it where it's like, oh, you need to go ghost, you know, and not talk to anybody, even your family for like three years and you need to build this and that. No, you don't have to do that. But what you do have to do is, you know, maybe say no to going out on a weekend, a few time, a few weekends in a row. So you can stay in and focus on yourself and get what matters to you done. That doesn't mean you can't talk to your family or have friends or, you know, maybe occasionally get some food with some friends and whatnot. But you do have to start putting yourself first before you can start adding other variables in. I think that highlights that when we're talking about reset, reset correlates with self-growth because when you reset, you're kind of building back those habits, but better. And so you're growing. And so that's why I think you can kind of logically conclude that taking a reset, kind of stepping back and working out whatever problem is going on in your life is a natural flow of kind of progressing as a human being stoic. It's the natural flow that you're not going to be able to get everything perfect the first time. No human is perfect. So there should be no expectation of that. So therefore you're going to reach a time, you're going to reach a situation, you're going to reach a problem that requires you to reset and reevaluate how you tackle things, how you handle things, what your mindset is, in order for you to be more successful with that problem at hand. And one of the keys to doing that, kind of going along with the reset, is time and space. Viktor Frankl has a 
beautiful quote that says that between the stimulus and response, there is a space. And that space, within that space kind of lies our power to decide, right? Our power to decide what the response is to the stimulus. And that response itself, within it, lies our growth and our freedom. So what he's outlining here, right, is that if we think about every kind of negative thing that's happening to us right now, we both are in college, it's very stressful, whether it's academic assignments or social pressure or anything kind of across the board, living away from home, um, maybe a little bit more extreme in your case, Mateo, than mine, but all of those things kind of in conjunction can lead to a very stressful kind of headspace. And the best thing that you can do is give it space, especially, you know, oh, you're having a bad week and then something negative gets thrown on. You don't need to handle that right now. Give it some time, give it some space, because if you're already stressed out and something very negative happens like that, chances are your re immediate reaction, which you might be inclined to give in and do, is going to be pretty negative. Um, we all know when people get stressed out, like they lash out at people they love, they lash out at their friends, they do things that are kind of uncharacteristic of themselves. I think that quote perfectly describes why. Because people, people don't have the wisdom to kind of realize that emotionally I'm very stressed out. This just got thrown on my plate. And so I'm going to externalize this and kind of get angry at somebody who doesn't deserve it. Instead of taking time and space between the stimulus and you responding. So people kind of lack that wisdom. And a break kind of highlights that. Because if you act upon it, but then you take a break for two days, you're probably going to conclude that, man, I did some bad stuff this week. I treated people pretty terribly and I feel bad about it. So if it makes the situation worse, why wouldn't you instead just take a step back, give it some time, give it some space, because that in conjunction with journaling, with writing things down, with developing a game plan makes you kind of realize that those gut reactions are, are pretty stupid. They're, they're pretty, they're pretty harmful. And at the end, you're going to be much more beneficial if you just give it time and space. And there may be situations where people don't respect the fact that you say, you know, this is a very negative situation. You know, you're bringing a lot of negativity if it's a person or if it's a thing, it's bringing a lot of negativity. So I'm just going to ignore it for now. We're going to give it some time and some space so that it's not as negative, doesn't have that negative energy. And so we can handle it productively and in a more healthy manner. And that's the mark of a very emotionally intelligent person which is something that stoicism preaches. Stoicism is built upon emotional intelligence and knowing how to handle your emotions and not let them handle you. And so time and space is a key factor in doing that. And that's exactly what a reset is. So value that time and space. And don't let others tell you that it's weird or unproductive or um, you know not healthy for you to not handle that negative thing right now. Don't let them do that. Because that, that's the most healthy thing you can do. It's the most emotionally intelligent thing you can do. If you say, you know, my plate is full right now and I can't handle this thing, that's the most emotionally intelligent thing to do. Because then you aren't going to act out of anger. You're not going to act out of frustration. You're not going to act out of stress. You're going to return to it. You're not going to leave it because leaving it is just as bad. Never handling it is just as bad. But you're going to handle it when you have reset, when you've developed that new routine, when you've evaluated and said, if I acted this way, the way that I initially wanted to, this would have happened and it would have been harmful. So instead, I'm going to act in a more healthy way. I think that's kind of, once you get to that point, that's when you know that the reset is working. When you get to the point where if a situation caused you to kind of take a step back, but now you know how to handle that situation, I think that's the mark where you can say, all right, this has worked out. Now I can come back to normal life and see how this new game plan 
this new routine, this new schedule, how it works out for me. And, and hopefully it works. And if it doesn't, at least you had the courage to take time and reevaluate the situation because that's more than 90% of people do. Right. And if it doesn't work, then you can always go back and try again, right? At least you took the first step and now you're not you know, trying things again for the first time. I'll be completely honest and a little bit vulnerable. The past few weeks has sort of been building up on me a little bit, you know, mentally, and I didn't really notice it. I was sort of pushing it off because, you know, as someone who tries to focus more on what's important and how I feel sometimes that sort of is an unhealthy thing and it can build up. And, you know, firsthandly, I've experienced that when you let something build and you push it off emotionally and you sort of ignore it, then you'll let you'll let it out on the wrong people for no reason. You know, that person might not have done something at all. And sort it's sort of just a projection thing. You know, the way that we treat others ultimately is a reflection of how we are doing on the inside, right? And so I think that's why it's so important to develop a routine that allows you to be mindful every single day and reflect every single day. You know, Tony Robbins has a quote where he says, it's not what we do once in a while that shapes our lives, but what we do consistently. So if it's better, you know, to meditate for five minutes every single day than to meditate for 30 minutes one day, you know, every two weeks, right? It's not about, you know, being perfect. And this is still very hard for, for us, at least for me, you know, I, I feel like I strive to be very high, a very high achieving individual. And oftentimes I confuse consistency and progress with perfection. And that's sort of a harsh reality to deal with sometimes. But we do have to remind ourselves that, you know, and social media doesn't help with this at all. Social media portrays a perfect life with no mistakes, like no struggle. It's not difficult that there's an easy way out. Well, if it were easy, then everybody would be doing it. So clearly it's not easy because not everybody is doing it. So we have to remind ourselves we're not going to be perfect. We're going to make a lot of mistakes, but mistakes ultimately foster the greatest growth. The, the harder the fall, the harder the comeback, right? So the more often that we fall down and get back up after, we're going to be more and more resilient. And the biggest thing, like you said, you know, with being emotionally aware is also having a good, solid, trustworthy group of, it can be one or two people even, but of people that you surround yourself with to talk about these things with, right? You know, we can talk about shamelessly our emotions to each other and how we're doing because, you know, we sort of built that we've sort of established that just relationship with each other over time and through stoicism we've understood that there is no shame in talking about your emotions when you need to certainly there's a time and place right you don't want to talk about your emotions you know like some big business meeting or at a very important conference right but you know at the end of the day when you go home and you just need and it's just you you know you're good it's important to talk these things out with, you know, trusted individuals. You'll never be able to do something by yourself. When I say that, you know, this process, it gets kind of lonely. That doesn't mean that you're alone. It means you're the only one who's going to be building yourself up, but you will have other people supporting you. It may not be a lot. I, I only really have, you know, one or two close friends here in college, but they are very important individuals to me. And I'd rather have two people that I trust very much than a lot of friends that I can never fall back on. So while it is important to note that you will be, you know, pretty lonely sometimes when you're, it's just you, you know, building this reset plan, it is important to know also that you will need other people and you can't do everything by yourself. You need a team of trusted individuals to surround yourself with. And so this is interesting too. 
I've had people tell me, you know, oh, I want to go and, you know, explore and find myself. But then they go out and like they go to the club or they go out to a party because they want to like explore and like find themselves. In my personal opinion, if you want to find yourself and find who you truly are, then you won't be going out to do those things. You'll be spending more time just with yourself to figure out who you are, being productive, not being counterproductive. Because if you want to find purpose, why would you go out into an environment where there are people who will completely lack purpose, like a club or like a party, right? That's not fulfillment. If you want to find yourself, you'll spend more time with yourself trying to understand who you are. And I truly believe I'm not like a super, you know, universal spiritual type of guy, but I do believe that the, in the law of attraction. And so if you become, you know, a more purpose seeking individual, then you will attract other purpose seeking individuals just naturally. Right. I think we've seen that, mm -hmm. you know, in both of our lives, even though we live very different lives, we're in completely different areas of the country. And yet we see that everywhere. Yeah. And, I, you know, I find it really ironic. I have starred on my sheet um, for kind of like notes for this episode. Ask others for help. That's that's starred for me. And it's actually kind of in conjunction with helping others, because when you are resetting, helping others and asking others for help are both vitally important. Um, you basically said everything I was going to say about asking others for help. It is it is crucial that you have somebody who can act as sort of a mentor or an advisor, somebody who is your equal, but is willing to give you kind of the unfiltered advice. That's the relationship we have. And if you think about just think about Seneca writing his letters, right? He wrote his letters to a friend and sure there were a lot of teachings in them. There were a lot of kind of practice stoicism, a lot of philosophical thoughts, but he was ultimately, he was confiding in a friend while he was in exile. Because that's that's what he was had to do. He he confided in a friend. He asked his friend, maybe not for help, but just to listen, to receive his letters. So one of the great Stoic teachers practiced this. Exile is kind of the biggest reset you can have because you're forced to go live somewhere by yourself. Right? You're exiled. That's kind of one of the most lonely situations in the world that you can ever face in life. And so what did Seneca do? He reached out to others. He wrote letters. He communicated with others. He just asked them to listen to what he was saying and to spread the message. So if he can do that in a situation which is terrible where you get exiled, then during, if you want to phrase it as like your mini exile, right? Your mini exile from your lifestyle so that you can reset. Confide in others. Ask others for help. And that requires having those good friends first, but you know who they are. You know who those friends are who you can talk to about anything. Ask for advice on anything. and you know, hopefully it's good advice, but it's honestly better to talk with that friend and have that bad advice than have nobody at all. Because you're right, Mateo, you're right. It it gets lonely. It does get lonely if you're going to take a break, you're going to take a reset and you kind of retreat to find your self-identity. And so you need those other people, whether it's you ask somebody for help or you go help a stranger. Doing both of those things are going to make you feel better about yourself. They're going to make you feel better about your situation in life. And so if it's a situation where you're experiencing negative thoughts, along with the fact that you've kind of seen a negative downturn in your life with your routine, with maintenance, with your discipline, then you need that kind of boost. And so that can form, that comes from others, because if you're kind of in that cycle, it's very hard to pull yourself out of that cycle just by yourself. 
In fact, I'd say it's nearly impossible. And I think stoicism and kind of like that idea of a stoic man gets a bad mm-hmm. rap because they don't take outside feedback. They think that it's all inside generated. And I would argue that's not the case. Every famous stoic teacher, every famous stoic kind of philosopher taught people. They held classes. They held seminars. They wrote letters to their friends confiding in them. They all participated in this kind of idea that you need help. And so I think that it's an undeserving bad rap because if you truly think about the set of circumstances in which Epictetus's works were collected while he was teaching class, Seneca's most famous work, Letters to a Stoic, was him writing and confiding to a friend. Aurelius was him just was him writing for to share with the world, right? To share with others. Stoicism at its core is something that is supposed to be shared with the world. It's not something that's supposed to you discover and you keep to yourself. It's something you discover, you work upon, you build that self-identity, and then you go out and share so that others can do the same exact thing. So the world can be a better place. And so I think that asking others for help is probably one of the most important things you can do for a reset because not only is it going to make you feel better, but like it also provides that other perspective. Like you're in California, you're experiencing a lot of different things. We've both gone through so many different experiences in our life. So when I experience something, it's very valuable to have your opinion because you've gone through a different set of circumstances, but you kind of hold the same values and morals that I do. And so I think that it's very important that you find people like that. And like you said, if you're somebody who is purpose-driven, somebody who has a clear self-identity, they're going to be very attracted to people who have the same set of circumstances going on. And those are the people that you're going to find and they're rare. You might find one or two of them, like you said, but they're going to be the most valuable people you find in your entire life because they're the people who you're going to be able to text or call or just talk to at any time about anything. And they're going to give you at least one piece of advice that makes you stop and say, huh, I didn't consider that. I didn't think about that. That's helpful. And there's no kind of better feeling than that, right? That kind of camaraderie that you can just ask anything. There's no judgment. There's just purely 100% somebody trying to help you out. Something that's very valuable, something that makes you feel valuable, something that is valuable to the situation, and something that's kind of lacking. I think too often in stoicism, we think that we can do it alone, and I've done that before. And the reality is, is that you can be a very good stoic, you can have a very good self-identity, but there's going to be problems that you can't tackle by yourself. There's no way in life you're going to be able to walk through life and not need somebody else at any point. So invest time in finding those people so that when you go through a necessary reset, you have the necessary tools, which include other people. And the final thing I wanted to add to kind of your points is that you were talking about how people kind of go out to find purpose. They um they kind of find try and find purpose at those parties at the clubs. I find it very interesting. We both talked about how we had very clear self-identities and how that would serve us in college. And I find it very interesting to compare my experiences because um, I take time to go to parties at mines here, and I find it very interesting to note my experiences versus other people's experiences. Other people's experiences, you see them get peer pressured into doing things that maybe they didn't want to do. You see them kind of get swept up in kind of like the allure of a partying lifestyle in college. And then I compare that to my own mindset. When I walk through the door of wherever the party is, I'll see like five things within 30 seconds that I'm like, this disgusts me. Like, this is terrible. This is such a 
kind of inundation of our generation being a lack of purpose, being full of kind of degeneracy, all those things. And, and it's very funny to see that like nobody else thinks like that. And so Seneca has a letter, I forget which letter it is, where he talks about how you have to go out and experience kind of what normal people are doing, and you can't act better than other people. And so I think that that's the difference, right? You highlighted how people go out and seek purpose at those parties. There's a difference between kind of going out and seeking purpose at those parties versus seeking a reality check. And I think that's actually very beneficial for you if you're undergoing a reset. Go to kind of like a party or somewhere where you feel like your values are not being met and sit in it and take a reality check. And that's kind of like the scared straight version of taking a reset. Because for me, it's like, I think if I don't have this purpose, if I don't have this routine, this is where I end up. I end up with the rest of our generation and it's sad and it's disgusting and I don't like it. And so that's kind of another strategy that I just wanted to add on. It, it kind of made me think about that letter when you were talking about that is that as Stoics are just as a good person, as a philosophical person, if you want a reality check, get invited to a party, get invited to a Gen Z party, because that there's no better reality check to how kind of sad our generation is living currently than going to a party and seeing people getting peer pressured into doing things they aren't doing, doing things that are very immoral, things that we classify as degenerate, things that just, you know, to a normal person with common sense would just make you sit and think, why would you do this? And you'll find thousands of examples of that if you just sit at a party for a couple of hours. And so that's kind of my, if nothing else works, try that because I've done that before. Uh, I've done that here. And it's actually a great experience because if you have that self-identity and you're not going there to seek purpose, you're not going to kind of fall into those peer pressure. You're not going to drink if you don't want to. You're not going to do things that go against your values and your morals. Instead, you're going to see other people do those things and you're going to say, this is why. This is why I need to be different. And there's, I feel like there's no better motivation than that. Absolutely. I'll say, you know, immersing yourself. I've, I've seen videos on this before, you know, like people are like, oh, I'm just going here to see exactly what I don't want to be. It actually makes sense because uh, you know, you can't really create a stereotype in your head or create an opinion before you've actually been in that situation. So when you immerse yourself in something and you sort of observe and you can really clearly see what it actually looks like, then it's very, it makes more sense to formulate an opinion. Um, even in high school, I went to like some parties and stuff. And just every time I was there, I would, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't do anything. I would just kind of sit, just sort of people watch, if you will. And in doing so, I just, I realized, I was like, what am I doing? What there is no meaning behind this. You know, it's like a social thing, but there, you know, the, like, what are we celebrating? In my opinion, this is how I view it. a party. Like you're celebrating something. So you have a party for it. But if we're, if you're not doing anything with your week and then you go and party, like, what are you celebrating? What do you have to, what have you accomplished that we're, you know, taking time off to celebrate for? So if you're, if you go through the week waiting for the weekend, that's purposeless. It should be you work very hard during the week so that you can take a day off on the weekend, right? That's what balances. It's not, oh, I just have to get these things done and then I can go do these things on the weekend. No, you get what you need to get done during the week with concentration, with sheer will and purpose, and then take a day off on the weekend, right? And also the big, the big thing 
going back to sort of the the people that you surround yourself with, the right people will never judge you for doing what's best for you. Um, I don't know if you remember, it was graduation. We were going to all the like all the middle schools and the elementary schools to do our walks, and we had just gotten on the bus, and we were sitting together on the bus, and I was like. I think like this summer, you know, I'm just not going to surround myself with, you know, parties or alcohol. Right. And this group of people, they were like, oh, that's lame. Like, that's lame. Right. Certain individuals. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just remember looking at you like we made eye contact and I was like, like, I knew we were thinking the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Just those aren't the people that want to see you succeed. Those people want you to do well, but not better than them. Right. So the the the, the right people in your life will understand when you make a decision like that because they truly want what's best for you and they will support you and walk with you through that decision. So we've experienced that. We were literally inches away from each other and we firsthand experienced that together. And I just, I remember that moment all the time because you understood, you 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 got my message, what I wanted, but there, you know, just certain people, they're like, oh, like, why would you do that? Like, that's lame. Like, I don't get how, but that's projection. In my opinion, that is projection from what someone else is thinking, right? So the 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 individuals you surround yourself with that truly want to see you strive will support any decision you make, but they will also call you on the things you're doing wrong. They right. will give you the harsh advice. They will tell you the things you need to hear because they know what your goals are. And if they see you doing something that is completely out of line, they'll call you on it because they want to keep you on track, you know? It's very, it's a very, it's just accountability. Your friends will hold you accountable when you aren't. And that's what, that's exactly why you need a community because you can't always be perfect and hold yourself accountable. Sometimes you need people to get you back in line. And even if that's only one or two people, it's better to have one or two people that will than to have, you know, 10, 20 friends who couldn't care less what you do. So I guess my final piece in, in this episode is yes, while, uh, you know, we must become, Marcus Reyes has a quote that says, we must become so alone, so utterly alone that we withdraw into our innermost self. And that is how you find yourself. You don't go outward, you go inward. That yourself is in. You don't go out looking for something. You have to just search with what you have. So while it is lonely, you have, once you learn to be alone and you are comfortable being by yourself, that's when you truly find yourself. But you also aren't alone because you have a community whether it's you know one or two people or even four or five of close trusted individuals that you surround yourself with that is the best way to really reset is to assess your community and assess yourself and then assess your goals and how the two coincide with each other and moving you forward and as as we kind of wrap up my final thoughts are that you know it takes a very strong courageous person to take the time to reset Seneca talks about how it's a mark of wisdom for you to retreat within yourself, retreat to the place of just your own mind. And he was really big on taking time for yourself and balancing that with spending time with the masses. And I think that's what kind of taking a reset, taking a break is all about, is that especially nowadays in modern time where you have a lot of bad stuff going on, whether it's, you know, like big picture stuff with kind of conflict going on or it's small picture stuff where you go to a party and see kind of a lot of the root issues within our society, especially in America, especially in generation Z, there's a lot of problems and it's very easily, it's very easy to get overwhelmed kind of by the crowd. 
and you face the option of whether you want to buy into the narrative, like you use that personal example, buy into the narrative of you need to party, you need to drink, you need to not have purpose, or buy into the narrative that having purpose is kind of the greatest gift you can have in life. And it's ultimately which narrative you're going to buy into. And there are going to be times where you don't know which narrative is the better one. And those are the times to reset. Those are the times to do what we said. Those are the times to journal, to meditate, to develop the schedule, to help others out, to maybe take some time and space from whatever problem you're experiencing and ask others for help. Those are all steps you can take. But the biggest step you can take is to have the wisdom and to have kind of the fight, the motivation to improve. It's the biggest thing I can say is always keep that kind of motivation. You know, you can get lost in which narrative you want to participate in. You can get lost in your life path, but never really lose that purpose and the motivation along it. Never lose your why. The The best way to kind of avoid falling apart is never losing that why. So every time you reset, my final piece of advice is make sure you still know why you're doing what you're doing. Make sure that why is still as clear as the day you made it, right? The day you said, this is why I'm going to go to the gym every day. This is why I'm going to put my phone down and like start a business. This is why I'm going to meditate today. When you initially said that, make sure that that's still clear to you. That's the biggest thing you can do is when you take a break is make sure that it's still clear to you. And if it isn't, maybe you need to change the why. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with changing any part of your plan because it's your plan. So while you should ask others for help, don't let others question what you're doing. Don't let others question your purpose, your motivation, your execution. Don't let them question an aspect of what you're doing because, you know, they may say it's lame. Like those people said to us, they may say it's lame. They may say it's weird. But guess what? They bought the wrong narrative. They bought the narrative that everybody else is going along with. And guess what? They're going to be just like everybody else. But instead, you chose to buy into the narrative that you can be a better version, someone who's better than all of that, somebody who has risen above kind of all the vitriol and just kind of purpose, purposelessness and lack of motivation, lack of success. You've chosen to rise above all of that, especially within our generation. And you've chosen to develop that heightened sense of purpose and that heightened sense of being. So if you develop that correct narrative, don't let anybody change that narrative. Instead, find people who are on the same narrative, surround yourself with them like we have, and then reset some from time to time. And I think you'll notice that every time you reset successfully, there's a longer break between when you need to. That's what I've noticed. And this is going to be my final, final rambling, is that that's what I've noticed, is that when I initially started practicing stoicism, like... I couldn't get throughout a day where I was like, I just completely failed at this. And so I had to go back to the drawing board for a long time. Now it's been a couple months, but I'm doing it right now for college. And once I do it successfully, I probably won't have to do it for another four years. And then once another big change in my life hits, I'll have to do it again. And I accept that. And I feel like everybody else should accept the fact that change and you being resistant to the change, it, you know, kind of overwhelming you is natural. It's absolutely natural. Taking a reset is natural. It's very courageous. And so if you follow the steps, you don't give in to the false narratives, you don't give in to the kind of idea that what our generation does on average is a good thing. If you don't buy all of that BS, 
And instead you buy into philosophy, you buy in the idea that you can be a better version of yourself. I think you'll ultimately be very successful. And I think that's, you know, that's a good closing piece. And so, you know, with that, if you listen this far, be sure to check out our website. We have built a community. We are building a community on our website. We would love to get involved. We would love for you to join our groups, join our communities. We have Stoic Advice, Stoic Beginners. We have groups that are oriented to specific Stoics like Marcus Aurelius, Seneca, Epictetus. And so, please, you know, check out our website. We have articles that we are that we publish you know we try to publish them weekly and we have all of our episodes linked on our website as well as an about us section we have a contact us section if you want to get in touch and you know college has been exceptionally busy at times we are doing our best to you know continue this podcast on the side while we manage school and work and other things as well so if you have questions, please reach out to us. Um, we have our email listed on our website. We have the contact us section, like I just mentioned. And with that, this has been episode seven of season two of the Gen Z Stoic podcast. And we will see you guys next time.